We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We can change it's like my dreams out of reach. This pain and all this grief. If you see God and you have to speak, tell him it's crazy in these streets. Feel my pain and so You're on Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Yo, I want to greet everybody with the great Ghanaian language we've learned. And you're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets so I'm about to drop this on you right here. Marchi, Marchi, which means good morning in Twi, T-W-I, or three, have my brother say it in Ghana. Yo, you are listening to this show where we're coming together to about hip-hop, the church, and the streets, but we are jumping into the Black History Program, Black History Lessons, Black History two weeks in before Black History Month, because you know it's Black History 24-7, 365, but I'm Pastor Phil. We got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about some deep things around Ghana and what we learned uh, with my great hosts that are on uh, the mic who also joined me in Ghana. Give it up for our great hosts. Yo, what's good? This is your boy DJ Ruckus. Man, can't wait to talk with you all about how that trip went and how my experience was and how healing and connecting it was for me. Yeah. But what's up? Let's get into it. Who else we got on here? Who else we got on the microphone? This is uh, Heyman Cross the Third. Um, I just came back from Ghana with these two with these two gentlemen, and uh, it's good to be back in the states. But I'm missing home. Like yeah. Ghana was like home. I can't wait till we talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm here on Church on the Block in Chicago, uh, representing. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we had the blessed opportunity to go to uh, Ghana. December 26th is when we left. Came back. Um, January 8th. And yeah, we were there for Ghana's New Year. We were there for uh, Afro Cella. We were there for Chance the Rapper, Big Mensa's unusually different concert. I'm not going to give it no other kind of uniquely Ghanaian, if you will, with the timing of everything. (laughs) But look, you know, we talk about Black history in America, and oftentimes, even if you went to an African-American school, sometimes they only talk about the civil rights movement, or they talk about, um, you know, slavery, or they may talk about some great kings in Africa, but uh, there is a lot, a lot more that we already know that's out there. And we had a great opportunity to go back home 
to Africa, to Ghana, to experience. Um, and really, the time we spent was just a snippet of, of, of what we learned. I mean, if we, if we learned this much in the amount of days we were there, how much could we, could we learn as, as long as we say? So today's dialogue is about our trip to Ghana through Sankofa U.S. And we're going to have um, the next, the next you know, six shows or so are going to talk about with different people that we met in Ghana, different leaders who, who orchestrate this trip, different young leaders, a young, uh, uh, some young adult leaders who are doing phenomenal work in New York and in Chicago who experienced the same trip and what their experience was in this trip. And so we want you to join us on this journey. And if you've been to Ghana, so you, if you have already been to Ghana, you may already know what we're about to say, how we're about to say it, what all we've experienced. But we really want to just walk you through why we went uh, uh, and I think the importance of going and what we learned and why you should consider going and attending. So I just want to open up to 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 my, my, my host uh, to start off with a discussion like, why did you want to go? Why was it important for you uh, to make this trip? All right. So, you know, what was it? 20, 2016, I want to say I had me and you had the opportunity. We both went to Kenya. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And ever since then, I've had this feeling that I need to be back over there as much as I can in Africa. I have a personal mission where I want to hit as many countries in Africa as possible. Right. And so when when you told me what you wanted to do in Ghana and and what we were going to go do first, I was just like, ooh. You know, so I've been on this 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 personal journey of trying to figure out who I am. It's something that's been robbed from me culturally yeah. of who I am, my heritage, my culture. Right. The only heritage that I feel that African-Americans have over here is it comes from slavery. It comes mm-hmm. from the struggle that we've had to face during, during hard yeah. times. So yeah. I wanted to go over there so that I can explore the roots of who I am as an African even more and become more connected with the sacrifice that the, the, the ancestors went through and, 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 and understand a little bit more about what they went through. There's nothing like being in the motherland for uh, both everything you just mentioned, both for the, the hurt and the healing and the restoration and, man, the total empowerment of what Africans um, are and how they think and how they live. So, so Heyman, why, why did you uh, desire to go and, 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 and how... how um, did this trip affect that? First of all, like my my parents and my home church back in Detroit um, for at least, I want to say it seems like 20 years, mm. they've been going to Africa, going to Kenya and had a had a connection and a relationship uh, with the motherland in that way. And I've never gone. And so I guess my feelings about going, you know, especially my first time, I wanted to go. And really have freedom to experience whatever it is that I wanted to experience. I didn't want to go on no mission trip or nothing like that. I just wanted to be able to go. And then when this opportunity was made available um, to go with brothers who I've been working with, who I have deep relationship with in Chicago on the West Side, like-minded people, the opportunity to go and experience Africa with you guys was another huge kind of like perk. So to be able to go on my own, you know, and to go with, with you guys, that was significant. Um, and then I just look at the, the place I am in my life at this stage in my career, um, in my relationship with my family, um, what I do, what I've been reading. Um, just This has just been the best time for me to go and have that experience, especially during this time of year. 
You know, right. we were there. We left right after Christmas and then was there through the new year. There's a chance to be in a warm climate during Christmas Ooh. time. Yes. Um, it was a chance to, to kind of, in a lot of ways for me, reclaim this time of year and start a new ritual, start wow. a new tradition, mm. so to speak. Wow. So it's yeah. like all these different things just kind of aligned and it just was like a perfect opportunity to, to, um, to go back <laughs> to where I'm from, which is what I recognize. <laughs> yes. Know, yes. To, to return, you know, my bloodline, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, as far as I know, I'm African American. I may be a mix of a whole bunch of stuff, but I identify as an African American, as, as a black American. And, and so, you know, being there was, was like reclaiming that, recovering that, re, you know, reestablishing, realigning, you know, yes. with, you know, with, with who I know myself to be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I wanna I wanna add in, you know, for me, the other part of that is, and as you all know, the, the last what was that? This is twenty three, so twenty one, my my holiday season was jacked up from losing my brother. And it had just kind of from Christmas on, like having a memorial service for him right right the day before Christmas and all types of family stuff. And then the, the family business we had with him falling apart and just into the new year, it was just a, a, a stressful beginning of the year. So this, this trip allowed me a rewrite of the holidays that would have stuck with me. Every holiday, I would have just probably been in a sunken place. Like yeah. all this hot. Now, I got something else to add on. Yeah, I lost my brother around Christmas, but also the year after that, I got to go to Ghana and have an amazing experience. And I know, I know he 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 just loved watching me shine and and, and glow and what I was doing. So it was a rewrite for me. Yeah, yeah, that all that's you know significant, man. I mean, it's different. Like to go uh, day after Christmas, we're gonna go to Florida. <laughs> right. Yeah. We went home, yeah. man, and we went yeah. with our people, and our people recognized us and connected with us, and it was like we've been there the whole time. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. Think in my experience and desire to go is like what you're saying, Terrence. Went been been to Kenya, love. Uh, Kenya, love Mufungu, you know what I mean? Love love the people there and being able to like, man, we got to find uh, another way and, and connect and, and, and um, connect with other people from, from, from Africa. And this opportunity to go to, to go this time, especially around uh, with the organization um, Sankofa US that lay out the flow. You don't have to think about how am I going to get around in Accra, how I'm going to, which hotel is good or bad. They, these reviews look okay. And those kind of particular things that may be important for us as Americans coming. I mean, think now we maybe have to get a different rhythm, but being able to go. But yeah. I mean, for me, it is it is about as a biracial young man, biracial kid growing up, there's always an identity crisis for me in a context that um, I fell at home in African-American community, group in the projects, grew up, you know, uh, 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 fighting over chicken wings. And, and, and my mom was white. My dad was black. But my mom, you know, really was not that type of white woman that was um, uh, power and privilege. And you, you got to live like this. She embraced who she was within the African-American country. And, and African-American folks loved my mama, right? And and, and they, they they took her in. I mean, when she was a, in Kansas City, when she was just coming there from Roosevelt University here in Chicago, going to do social work and doing civil rights stuff. She didn't know where to stay. Some elderly lady said, stay with us, baby. Go on, stay with us. And, you know, and she just 
grew in that space. And so being able to always know my roots and who I was, and especially in African-American context, to be able to be uh, accepted and welcome and always wanting to know, knowing that my great grandfather was a slave in Kentucky and we have a slave narrative, that man, what what was his lineage and what was his history? And knowing that there's probably so much more beyond that that I needed to know about mm-hmm. myself than just that history dot, you know, connecting the dots. And going there for me was this um, healing process of a biracial kid whose identity has been suspect and fickle uh, with other peers or other people. Um, and, you know, you're either not black enough, you're not white enough type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have, yeah. you have this, okay, where's, where my biracial land? Do I have a biracial community? Where we at? You know, we don't have our own little, <laughs> we on the west side, southwest side, we on the low end. But being able to have, <laughs> being able to have that connection to affirm my identity and, you know, the um, the beauty of that, recognizing how much more I needed as a 58-year-old man, how much more our peers that we serve and how much more do the young men that we serve need that as well prior to getting older, <laughs> that they can have that experience. Yeah. So as, as, as we all bathed into this, man, knowing that we're going there to see how it'll impact our community, but how much more it, it impacted us. You know, it's just just beautiful about that, man. I mean, there is... There is so much uh, that I didn't necessarily anticipate going like like how um, just the relationships um, would affect me observing how these young cats who we met uh, flow and function and observing yeah. the Ghanaian leaders and how they flow and function. You know what I'm saying? It, it was beautiful, man. You know, this being my second trip, I always say once I get there, there is no feeling like waking up. <laughs> in a place where everybody looks like me. Right. Right? <laughs> it's like I'm no longer the minority. I'm right. the majority. <laughs> and it is it is beautiful. It is it is art. That's God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> true. That's true. And and, and, and yeah. my mama told me this when I was, you know, going to this all white Catholic high school. She said, Phil. White folks never have to ask themselves what it's like to be white wherever they go. You, on the other hand, will have to ask yourself that question wherever you go. When you walk into this store, when you walk into this, you had an all white school. You got to ask yourself, OK, I'm, um, how I got to handle this situation um, at school, on the on the sports field, on with this dating situation. And as, right. she, as she said that to me, man, I'm like, yo, this short little white German lady breaking some knowledge right here. So having to be in <laughs> Africa, not having to worry about thinking about being black wherever I went and not suspecting anybody else uh, 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 around me. No no feel of judgment. Like, how am I thinking? Are they thinking about me? And I'm thinking about it's just beautiful, man. It's beautiful. And I think that part right there, uh, oftentimes, I think has decreased in our in our connection as African-American men in the States because we feel we're out of control because everybody else is in control of our own purpose and destiny. Yo, you're listening to Church on the Block, man. We're talking about Ghana, talking about Black history, talking about African history. Stay with us. You're listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. We'll be right back. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Come right back. Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. 
We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yo, Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the street, and we are back. Man, we are in a deep discussion about our trip to Ghana as we are launching early our Black History shows. I mean, we know Black History is 365, you know, 24-7, 365, but we've experienced something that we want to continue to share and emphasize to everyone about our trip to Ghana. And I know you all probably know some folks have been to Ghana. A lot of folks are making moves to go to Ghana. So folks buying land, um, you know, you may have relatives who have actually now lived uh, in, in Ghana who were from the, who, who are from the States, maybe have dual citizenship. But we want to emphasize now, like what we learned um, significantly about ourselves, about uh, the country, the culture, um, African and African people um, on this trip and, and maybe even how that affected us and why that affected us that way. So um, go ahead, brothers, and share with us what is it that you learned and what what is it that really stuck in your heart with several different things? Well, one of the things that really, you know, is a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt in a constant state of just celebrating blackness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was just everywhere I looked. I just it, I just was overwhelmed with how happy and free I felt. And it, it just felt like a true celebration um, of just being you know, with my people. I wasn't expecting that. You know, I yeah. remember when, when oh, I go back to like when Obama, when it came through that Obama got won the election. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't yeah. expecting to feel what I felt when, when it was like, we got a black president. Like, yeah. you know, that's how God felt. It was like everywhere. I was even, even getting off of the, um, in the airport. Even yeah. the way we was received in the airport, yeah. it was just a whole different feel. And then yeah. it just kept happening. And it didn't matter whether we was in some of the poorest areas in Accra, right. uh, in Kumasi. Uh, I still felt a celebration of blackness. I, yeah. I, I still felt very proud. And it made me, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's kind of affirming who I am. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right. like, it was positive. Powerful to see for one that many black people, <laughs> black men, black women right. doing their thing. It was like we ain't no joke. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like no matter what our history has, has taught us, what we've learned, what we've experienced, to be in Ghana is like we ain't no joke. Yeah. We everywhere. We out here. We outside. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and and that was that was amazing. You know, even to learn about. You know, visiting the slave dungeons um, in the Caicos and, and in, um, was it Elmina or Camina? Elmina Castle, yeah. Elmina Castle. Even, even to hear the history, which was heartbreaking, right? Yeah. yeah. To actually be standing in the places where, you know, uh, Africans were lined up, locked in a dungeon, waiting to be shipped and brought to America. Even, even in that, it was still a celebration of our, res- our resilience. Yeah. Like I felt like we were a testament, like no matter what, we still we survive, we thrive, we gonna figure it out, we gonna make it happen. Yeah, we gonna come back, we gonna fix it, we can't fix it, we can heal, <laughs> we can build it, we can make it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's who we are as the African, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Ghana was a chance to celebrate all of that, and that's why I think it, you should go. Yeah. 
people should go. I think that would be Ghana is a great first way to experience Africa mm-hmm. to me because there's just enough development. There's and the country is young and being um, free of Britain, which is what sixty years, you know. Right. Yeah. But there's enough young people, there's enough business-minded people, there's enough educated people, there's enough opportunities. Like, I think it's a great way to to be introduced to, you know, you know, to the continent. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, uh, uh, Heyman. Yeah. I think I think explaining that well. There's nothing like, you know, we get excited in America when it's like this, this, uh, this guy owns this restaurant. It's so good. It's right. American woman owns this restaurant. Oh, my God. And then it's like, Ooh, we're gonna go there every time and eat and support her business. But it's that way everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Yes, yes. it's mind boggling, man. It's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you say, uh, Ruckus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what keeps ringing out to me when when my man's over there on one of the tours. He said, "Black energy never dies." Yeah, never, dies. man. Man, so as Heyman gets, he, he's telling us about how awesome we are as black people. I'm like, man, we are we we are awesome everywhere, like you just said, right? Yeah. yeah. So some of the things I learned, right? I, you know, I keep saying that we as a people, uh, uh, African Americans here in America, and maybe even other places, have we lost our culture? And I believe to a degree we've we've lost a lot of it. But I saw a lot of similarities. Oh, so yes. when I when I looked at the <laughs> dance, when I looked at how they were dancing, I was like. Joe, that look like footwork. That look like Chicago footwork or Detroit Jit or or Memphis Juke, like or Crunk. Like it's 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 in us, right? It's who we are. Black energy never dies. I'm gonna get. I'm, uh, that's gonna be man. I, <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Firehouse making that shirt. The firehouse making that man, shirt. Man, man, black energy never dies. Like I, I'm stealing it. It's stolen. Man, that's it. Uh, you know, the, the other thing that I connected well with that I was missing when I went to Kenya was the the connection to the ancestors. So being able to go to the dungeons and, and do the laughs, the, the, go through the door, no return and come back in it as a returner and, and do the last bath and the first bath. I really felt the connection to the ancestors. I felt like I'm home. I had already had that feeling before that I was home, but this time I even more felt like I was at home. I felt like, okay, I'm home and this this is where I belong. I've, I've returned. Because so, one of the stories that they, they were telling was, you know, losing losing the ancestors, you know, they lost their kids. They lost their mothers. They lost their dads. They lost relatives. But we're those relatives. We're the we're the descendants of those of the ancestors who have come back to say, hey, I'm returning. Let me tell you the stories of the ancestors that I can tell you about that that are still there or, or that we've lost. I'm here to tell you our stories to complete what was lost once before. So I, I, I took I took some 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 rich history and emotional trauma that I had been carrying and it allowed me to release some stuff. You you know something's there, like you even in America, right? You know something's there, but sometimes you can't you can't um, address it. You know you know when you feel violated. You know when something happens, it's like yo, this ain't right. How dare you speak to me this way? How dare this situation? But but when you go there, you recognize 
this is where that, that anger comes from because I come from this powerful energy. I come from this strength. I come from this resilience. I come from this royalty. I come from this majesty. And, and this is not, and, and this humanity and this love and this grace. This is why I feel violated when somebody comes at me because they don't even know who I really am. And yet it's inside of us as African-Americans yeah. uh, even more and, and, and seeing all of that. You know what I mean? For me, man, it goes back to the work that we do with the young people. And a part of that is that we always say this at the firehouse, man, nobody needs permission to shoot nobody while I'll smoke, we fight, but you seem to need permission to be great, to be, to, to see your genius. And, and in Ghana, moms is great everywhere they go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. the dignity of the bellman moving your bags. It's like, well, I'm a king. I got this. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I mean, and I felt like, I felt like when, as they were, I was like, yo, uh, should I? Hello, how are you? I mean, I, I just felt like, yo, I, I want to meet you. What, what, what's going on? And, and it was such a, it's such a pride and a, and, and a pride with a, not not like pride before fall type type thing, but pride to the degree that I know who I am and I'm not compromising on that. My self worth is 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 uh, 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 affirmed in every place I go and, and how I was raised up in that spot, man. And so for me to know that even the path that we're on in our effort to work with our young men, where they then recognize their own self-worth um, uh, uh, in America with all the other things that plague African-American young men, that there is a place where it's normalized. There is a place where it is like, nah, this is how we roll. This is a place where uh, Mug speaking with such authority that, and, and, and guess what? Ain't nobody feeling like they're talking down to one another. I mean, at least in, in our, our experiences back and forth, it's like, it's like, no, no, no. Yes, yes. 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 No, no, no. And it's like, it's, it's like, yes, I'm, I'm a king. You a king. I'm a chief. It was that level of authority that they had with one another and respect. And then after the, whether it was an argument about a, about a price on something or whether it was just, it was just like, Okay, we're going. We're good. Nobody needs to shoot nobody. Nobody needs to cut nobody. You know what I mean? Right. Take your mama up with some duct tape, leave her in an abandoned house. Wasn't no crazy stuff like that. Get on yeah. Facebook and put your own blast. I mean, it was just, <laughs> uh, it was just a reality that uh, of, of of that level of dignity and authority means I function differently. Means I I roll differently, which means. Yeah. I empower you to roll differently. So, you know, to me, I just, it's, it's, it's contagious. Like, I want to be around that. Like, I don't see that. I, I, yeah. And, and I, I think through the diaspora, through the Middle Passage, the, the Mayafa, um, that there has been a, a beating down of that with African-American men specifically. I mean, beating down of that level of confidence in ourselves, uh, dignity in ourselves, affirmation in ourselves. And so, therefore... It creates this um, this tiptoeness per se. I'm a tiptoe around my my power. Oh snap! I got some power. Yeah, and it's like, yo, you got this juice the whole time, man, and that's contagious. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point, Phil. I was just sitting here thinking, you know, other times when I think we all three of us can attest to this when we've gone to big Christian conferences, right? And you see a whole bunch of Christians and church folks and you feel confident, but there's still something for me, this was different than that, right? You, you know, this was different than even, even I would say even different than like a uh, family reunion or a high <laughs> right. school reunion. It was different because there's so many different levels of 
I don't know, identity that's affirmed in Ghana and in, in, in being in the country. Um, because you had politicians, you had, <laughs> you know, the blue collar, you had the people who was in hospitality, you had all these different layers of community members who were all black. Yeah. Who were all recognized and had pride in what they were doing and who they were. You know, it wasn't like there was no, there was no sense of any oppression right. or anything. It was just, it was just a freedom to be who you are. Yeah. Um, that's Give different. us us free. <laughs> I mean, it's just different. I mean, we've had experiences where, you know, in America, it's so different. What we, we, we see other people like us, but we still know that there's somebody who can send us home, shut us down, who don't like us, don't yes. think we should be there. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Got an opinion about us, looking looking at us up and down. And sometimes it's our own people who do that to us. Yeah. But yeah. in Ghana, we didn't get none of that. Everybody greeted us. <laughs> you know, they yeah. loved us. They was, <laughs> they was, it seemed like they was happy to see us. They, yeah. they wanted to know our names, even though they wanted to sell us something. <laughs> they wanted right, to know right. our names. <laughs> 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 but it was like they, they, I felt, again, it's like I felt celebrated. I felt not so important like I was. But I felt like I was important as a black person, right? Uh-huh. In a righteous way, in like like not in a righteous way, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, yeah. in a way that was lost, in a way that was like yeah. this is what I I know this is in me, Dad Gummit. Yeah, I can't see this on a regular where I'm at, but I I know this is who I am in this space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, you know crazy. the 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 other part that was beautiful for me, I was I, I had a deep conversation with some of the the, the guys. The, the, the Ghanaian guys that were there to serve us. Uh, and they were saying to me how they wish that more African-Americans would come and how they wish that once they come, that they would continue to come back. It's like a lot of times they don't come back. They come and that's it. We want them to come back. We want them to come and start businesses. We want them to come and build. We want you to bring your knowledge, your skills over here, help us develop. Let's, let's work together. Let's yeah. become one. If we join forces, who can stop us? Right. And I was just like, man, I was like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's let's build. And then I also said to them, I said, but I also need y'all to come over here and hear the stories and go see what the ancestors went through before they get rid of it all. Go go to the plantations, go to the civil rights museums, because in order for you to understand us, you got to come over there. It's like we came over here. To, to understand you all and see what the ancestors went through. You got to come over there and see the rest of their journey That's so that you point. understand us. Exactly. Exactly. Because they, they know the horrific start of it all and, and, and yeah. where things were like what I call organized hate, like intentionally mm-hmm. plan you building bricks on a building where hate and murder and rape and incest and stuff is going to, going to take place. But you, Look the other way. Yo, this is church on the block, man. Real talk about hip hop, the church and the streets. And we talk about real talk today uh, about Ghana, our trip there and its effect on us as men and African-American men. Yo, we'll be right back. Yo, you're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church and the streets. Do not. You hear me? Do not touch that dial. Do not touch that knob. Don't unplug the Bluetooth. Stay right here with us. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are back. Church on the block. Real talk about hip hop, the church and the streets. Holy Culture Radio. Sirius XM channel 154. 2023, the year of Michael Jordan. No matter where you are, no matter what state, country, I don't care if you're in Mars. This is the year Michael Jordan's first championship season. Yes. There's my little commercial. There we go. Um, how they took out Detroit. How they took out New York. I'm saying it. That's right. Um, <laughs> after, 20, after two decades of losing forever. So we are talking about Black history. We've taken a jump. Two weeks before Black History Month, because of our trip to Ghana, interviews we had, conversations we've had, they're going to be aired over the next couple of weeks. And we just want to, because we're still bubbling about the impact of it in our lives, and we want to continue to share this experience uh, around um, uh, uh, how it affects us as men, as Black men, and how that affects us in our faith. One thing that we recognize the most, not the most, well, irritatingly for me as a pastor, how much Ghana... Ghana, they say Ghanaians who are Muslims, who are not believers, who are Christian, that is a Christian nation or tag that. I don't really know what that means. I hope it's not like American Christian nationalism, which is which is a whole nother conversation about its political warpedness. But what I mean is when we think about Africa and you think about it becoming Christian overall and, and the Christian influence, I think of it as missionaries bringing a white European epistemology of theology to Africa, forcing a way of life. There were even stories where mission missionaries, and this is horrific, said, no, sexually, you're supposed to do this in your actions, not this style of intimacy. It was freaky when you look at some of the history and some of the ways in which control stepped in. But even Desmond Tutu said, when the missionaries came, they had the Bibles and we had the land. When the missionaries left, they had the land and we had the Bible. Right. I mean, that that kind of irony uh, oftentimes. And so when I look at the purity of faith of, of an African who finds a faith in Christ, because the first believed uh, uh, written about uh, um, uh, African was in the Bible where Philip, the apostle Philip, shared the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch. But there was faith already interwoven. That's why this this man was even thinking about his faith. But that's not the, like like the first evangelist to Ethiopia. There were many more uh, prior to that, but that's just one that was written down. But I want a pure faith from your culture, not a diluted faith from an American ideology of faith, uh, though it still may be pure about coming to faith in Christ and things like that. But what I'm saying is when it showed up in Ghana, it showed up like, yo, am I in America? They got these big billboards with a pastor's face, him and her or her. And, and it's not in their language. It's in English, which... Maybe relevant because that's a dominant language too, but it's it's like it's like watch night service and 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 um you know different things that you would see over here and 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 have we infiltrated uh, even in African American context the the church in such a way that's that's like commercial so commercialized that that Africans and others who tap into faith this is this must be how I got to do faith this must be how I got it we we drove by a church as a mega church like an apostolic or no, a Pentecostal type of church. And they had a big, huge campus. Um, is that, is that an, an American ideology of what 
what it should be. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not doing great work. Maybe they are. But the reality of so many billboards amongst so much poverty that it would seem as if that there'd be more action around those who are the least of these um, than it would be about coming to my service and get the watch night anointing. Um, what did y'all feel about all the stuff that was going on with all the billboards in Ghana, the, the churchianity vibe? Yeah, I thought it was a club. I'm like, man, they really partying over here, all these billboards. You know, that's that's the vibe I kind of got. Like, I, we don't even have that many. It, it looked like billboards on the expressway right now. You remember, remember when we had the 294 Expressway and Brian Erlocker had all those bit they had all those Brian Erlocker billboards. Yeah, yes. That's what it looked like. You know, I, I would say for me that the, the feel that I got, there's a lot of hurt mm. and, and pain when it comes to religion and Christianity over in that land because of the stuff that was done by Christians. Yeah. People who claim Christianity, right? Yeah. There so there are people who who totally probably shy away from the faith because of that. You can feel it. You can feel it in the conversations with people. They're spiritual, but they're they some won't say they're Christians. They won't say, you know, who they serve or who they worship. You can feel the pain and the hurt behind right. the, the history, even as we went into the dungeons and, and, and stuff that they were saying and looking at how the church, the slavery was was approved because of a freaking priest or or whatever he was. <laughs> right. Said, okay, yeah, I agree with this. And and then they build these dungeons, and then they build a church on top of the dungeon. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was Wait, crazy. Wait, I forget. They build the they build the dungeon on top of an altar that the people would use there to do whatever worship they would do, and they put that in the dungeon. Then they build a church on top of that. Right. Like, bro. Like, come on, man. That that. Yeah, man. <laughs> that angers me. Yeah, right. That angers me. Right. Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. I. I I think it's important uh, for me, and I, I'm even more curious about, you know, our spirituality and our relationship with God, just period. You know, the fact that we as humans have the ability to exercise faith, um, that we believe in things that, you know, we look for meaning outside of ourselves. I think that that's very important. And I've also seen how, and we've all witnessed how, you know, you know, we can get taken advantage of, you know, right. um, we want to believe, we want to know that there's something out there that's, that's watching after us, you know, that really has us in mind that loves us. You know, that's what, you know, Christ is for, for a lot of us. That's what God is. That's, you know, look at Jewish beliefs and all these different beliefs. It's all about feeling like something is watching out for us and we get taken mm-hmm. advantage of. And I feel like the African was taken advantage of and, what we believe, you know, about our spiritual life ends up being weaponized, ends up creating mm. systems that keep us down. You know, I, I think my fear, and I'm kind of jumping all around because I'm trying to be careful about what I say. Don't be careful. But um, we don't say no. My fear, <laughs> my fear is that Ghana is in a place of development. It's it's transitioning. Yeah. All of us return is transitioning, and to see how strong these billboards and these pastors or religious people who are on these billboards, like, like their power and authority, it's alarming, you know, 
Um, and it's something that I think church on the block is something that we as Christian folks or whatever had to recognize, like we have influence. We are put in certain places where we can make change. We can make things better. And if we don't, we'll end up being just like our oppressors and yeah. and mm. not helping the poor. Uh, we'll let systems come in that take advantage of the next generation. We'll have mm-hmm. prisons. We'll have capitalism <laughs> running crazy. I think. Right. That's that's I mean, you look at the downfall of America. It's like those of us who believe didn't step up and do what we were supposed to do. Right. You know, we we didn't step up and then our country has fallen as a result, you know, and I think you got to kind of look at that. Like, who are these spiritual leaders? What are their roles and their responsibilities? Yeah. You know, are they looking after the poor and the young people? Yeah. Our communities today on the West side, these churches, mm-hmm. pastors, I was, I pastor, right. son of a pastor. Like I'm a part of that. Like we were the ones who had influence and what happened on our watch. Mm. What happened? Mm. What has happened? And are we waking up to the responsibility that we have as so-called people who trust God and follow God? Right. So, um, Ghana is at that place, man, where, again, like I said, there's so much development. There's so many opportunities. There's so much attention coming back to the country. And those of us who believe, who say that we have a relationship with God, we better do what's right. Or Ghana will repeat, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, there's this fear that they will fall into the trap, you know, of money, <laughs> you know, resources. Right. right. You know, uh, uh, technology, all these things that move us away from our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. And th- yeah. and that's what I, I'm really worried about that, like yeah. personally. And I, I want to go back to Ghana and encourage other like-minded people to go to Ghana and get involved so that they don't repeat some of the bad things that have happened in America as a result of, you know, again, all these resources, all this money, all this influence, yeah. You know, all these billboards and, and nice suits and all this kind of stuff that, you know, when people want answers, they go into these pastors or these teachers and they ain't getting no answers. You right. know, I don't want that to happen, you know. So so what I hear you saying, Heyman, is, and I've been saying it, I said it this year, <laughs> time to tear down the church and build a new church <laughs> yes, all sir. over the world. It yes, is time sir. to tear down, tear down the church and build me a new church. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Yes. I said I was going to be hollering this all year. I done went to Ghana and I'm still hollering. Tear down the church and build me a new church. That's, that's, that's right. That's true. That's, true. that's right. I mean, it's back to where Christ was talking about. I'm going to tear down this temple. I mean, the same mindset that Christ was yeah. fighting against is what we fight against now. The same school, yeah. you know? And there is a sense of appreciation to me that these are Ghanaian leaders who are not from outside. It's like, like, like white leaders coming to do this, which is which is great. And I would pray that Ghanaian leaders wouldn't let that happen. But it's also like Ghanaian leaders need to step into their own power in embracing their culture. Now, on one end, we never went to worship service, but it's like, I don't want to, if this is what it's going to look like from the right. Right, 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 right. But at the same time, it's like, um, if this, because what ends up happening, I was talking to somebody about this. It ends up, I end up mimicking what I think is supposed to be done. And then you yeah. teach folks to mimic that. They begin to adopt that. Why are they suffering? Why are they hurting? Yeah. Why are they broke? Why are they fighting? And then they don't see this God showing up like they want. And then they be like, bump that. This is this is junk to me. And I just, and I desire, I mean, we had a chance to be on a radio show and we're going to show and, and have some clips 
of that show on this show uh, that we had an opportunity to be on that on that show in Ghana. And we were talking about uh, uh, some of the differences and the man, you know, was asking questions back and forth about the um, church needs to be able to do this, do this and do this. I was like, no, we need to meet people right where they are to take them where God mm-hmm. having them to be. And he kept thinking that perhaps that was liberal. These liberal moves, right? And so I'm like, where are you getting this language from? I mean, I remember being in, I remember being in Kenya teaching for Northern Seminary to these young uh, pastors who were trying to get this uh, degree from Northern Seminary, and um, I'm teaching youth ministry, whatever. And I got tattoos here and tattoos. I'm short sleeve shirts. I'm teaching. One guy came to me and talked about you got these tattoos. You know how does that affect? I said the Maasai tribe got a whole face tattoo. Their whole face is tattooed. Their neck is tattooed. They pastors. What are you talking about? Did some Western European, you know, theology come in the midst and now, now it's become to be shameful? Then another guy came to me and talked about, you know, I want to talk to you, man. I mean, this is a Kenyan. And uh, my son wants to wear dreadlocks. I want to wear a lot. Are, you, are we talking about hair right now? I feel like Ivan Iverson. We're talking about practice? We're talking about practice? We're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about hair? Dude, it's, it, it ain't going to be a thing. If you don't make it a thing, watch and walk with him. For his walk with the Lord, is he respectful? Is he loving people? Is he, you know, all those nuances that we, but that again is a diluted, I got to, I got to mimic something from what I've adopted from some European theology. And I, but I don't, I don't, I don't really have a weight, but maybe internally as I'm from Africa, I embrace that. It's, but, I, but I've been told that not to embrace that. So I think to me, the greatest fear to me is, is all of that f- pseudo phony fake Christianity kind of stuff. Cause it's hyped American nonsense. And yet the substance of who God really is, man, is already found there. God already been in Ghana. Shoot, the, the birth of civilization is in Africa. The Euphrates River is the book of Genesis, like in Africa, right? And so mm-hmm. that is enough right there that we need to just be grounded in. You know what I'm saying? So like, like what would y'all say? And we've talked a lot. And if you've been with us on the show, this is Church on the Block. We're talking about Ghana, our trip to Ghana and its impact on our lives. What would you say is a reason you you would encourage people to go to Ghana? You know, I've said this to my wife. Every person of color should go to Ghana and experience what it's like to, to one, not be a minority in their life. And we should also look at going to Ghana and looking at building with the people there and, and building, uh, as my as Jadena said, an expressway, <laughs> a highway back home where we, we transfer goods and, and love and 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 everything. I would say because it's our time. Like this is a, mm-hmm. this is the time for the for the black American. This yeah. is this is the time for the African American. This is no other time than this. We need to be global citizens. We need to be free to move yeah. about the world. Ghana is a great introduction to Africa. You may not even be from Ghana, but it's a great introduction to one of the greatest continents, right? Period. Like this is our time. You should be, if you are, if really anybody, but we could just focus on the African-American, get your passport, be a global citizen, go and see the world, go to Ghana and experience Africa, understand where you came from or where we came from. Yeah. Add that to your experience and your history and then use that to spring forward because there is no other time than right now to step into greatness. You don't need permission. (laughs) Step into your greatness. This is the time right now. (laughs) This is a perfect time to do it. 
Yes. And yeah. don't wait. Don't be one of them who, who waited and be like, I should have been done this because it might not be as easy as it is right now. Mm. You mm. need to step into it. That's dope. That's true. That's true. Uh, and go with SankofaUS.com. They had a bomb yes. group to go ahead with. Sankofa, we're going to be talking about them throughout the time. They're just great people to be with. And they've been bringing people to Ghana, especially African-Americans, for 20 years. They're not playing. They're not playing. Um, church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets, man. Let me drop this on you real quick. Dropping bars. Man, there was this woman in California. She was uh, leaving a grocery store, older woman. And she goes to her car, and she sees four people getting into her car. Well, this woman was strapped. Older woman. She cups up to the car, the gun's kind of shaking. What are you boys doing in my car? Get out of my car. I got a gun. I know how to use it. I'm not afraid to use it. These young boys got shook, got scared, and took off out of that car. Well, she gets into that car, puts the groceries in it. She takes her keys, and the keys wouldn't fit in the thing. You see, she had a car similar to that, but that wasn't her car. She looked up, and her car was two rows over. She gets the groceries out. She gets in the car and she, same car looking like, starts it up. She goes to the police station to confess, really, to say what she did. She goes in there and she says, hey, um, I, and she looks over and she sees these four boys who were at the police station. Like, this old woman <laughs> put a gun to us to get us out of our car. Yo, things are not always what they seem. No matter what happens in life, man, recognize the purity of what it is right there. As God is created, recognize God is in all and through all. And in the midst of that, you'll be surprised at all that God will reveal to you. Yo, this is Pastor Phil's Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church and the streets. We in this Black History Month. We down with you. We going in. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church and the streets. Back here next week, same time, same channel, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM Channel 154. Come with us. Tell them it's crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy.